It's 12 Enough, Season 11, Episode 4B, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Michael Denton. 12 Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Michael Denton is the conference minister for the Pacific Northwest Conference of the United Church of Christ. This podcast is brought to you by The Dining Room Table, giving you a place to leave your mail, your notes and and bits of paper from school and work, uh, and your jackets, and all other sort of random things for years and years. And sometimes, you eat there too. And we're back. We're now going to hear the deep conversation that I had with Mike Denton. I know these episodes aren't coming out as often as I hoped, but we'll see. Maybe that'll change. Maybe not. You know what, though? You'll be okay. I, I, you'll be okay. But I, I got together with Mike Denton again. This is his third time on the show. He's well on his way to getting that uh, 12 Enough t-shirt. You have to be on the show, I think, a, a certain amount of time. I don't remember how much, but it's in the bylaws. And uh, Mike and I talked about the Lord's Supper and kind of the, the way that the Lord's Supper uh, can inform one's I- ideas or sense of doing a good work of social justice, of getting out into the world. We often think of the spiritual practices as being insular, as being introspective and not creating that space to go out and do work in the world. But um, Mike always brings good ideas, and we talk about that, how that this spe- uh, spiritual practice in particular can really inform the work we do. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I thank you for listening, and here is the deep conversation I had with Mike Denton. Mike Denton is the conference minister of the Pacific Northwest Conference. Um, their mascot is the egret. The egret. Ooh, yeah. I like the egret. Which I think is a bird. It is an egret. Well, yeah, as opposed to an egress. Yeah, an egress, that would be an, an interesting mascot. Our mascot it, is a space of land that I'm not really sure what it means, but realtors like to make a big deal over it. Yeah, yeah, maybe that, that would be a good mascot, too. That would be... <laughs> That'd be appropriate for what you do, right? We're not really that's sure great. what he does, but people make a big deal over it. This is that's that's how I sum up you, Mike. When I talk to other folks about about who you are and what you do, I say I'm not sure, but people make a big deal over him. Yeah, they, not so much. <laughs> so, I'm a conference minister of the Pacific Northwest Conference. I never said of the United Church of Christ. Yep, that's in there too. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, you're. Uh, your polo uh, with all the with the logo on it is has got to be amazing. I don't know how you fit it all. Um, I'm a yeah, little it, guy with a horse. Well, you, untucked. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me throw an idea. I, I have this idea, and then we'll get to the topic of uh, yeah, making of making T-shirts of. So I I, I know the United Church of Christ is an amalgamation of many other groups, denominations, and such. Um, Baptists, we have many different Baptists that have 
um, since um, gone to pasture um, groups oh, wow. that were around and then just didn't make it. Well, like yeah. the six principal Baptists. Uh, uh -huh. And I'd like to make t-shirts, um, denominational t-shirts of those denominations that no longer exist. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of make, make them retro-ish and sell those. What do you think uh -huh. if you did something like that with the UCC made retro denominational t-shirts? Well, it sounds like pretty much a lot of our other fundraising schemes. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you'd have about the, about the same rate of success. As... You mean it sounds like something two white guys in a hotel room just came up with in the middle of the night saying, this should That's work. Right. That's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can split the 27 cents that that would make in between the two of you. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Um, you know, just give me credit when you bring it to your uh, denominational heads as a fundraising scheme. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm writing that down right now. I don't even see a pen around you. Oh, well, I guess then I didn't write it down. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> thanks, Mike. So, Mike, this is, this is your third time on the episode. It is. Uh, on the show, not the episode. Third time on the show. Mm -hmm. um, five more times and you get a T-shirt. I don't that that I know what T-shirt it is, so <laughs> yeah. I think I'll stop at four. Okay, it's going to be the one that says Mike Denton, Conference Minister of the Pacific Northwest Conference of the United Church of Christ. Right, it wraps all the way around. Yeah, you could so, only get it XXL. You know what you could do is you could have like the for the UCC, you could have the UCC logo on the front of the shirt and the denomination you left on the back. <laughs> now that is a T-shirt. Yeah, we've got a lot of those. Yeah, then you can make like volleyball teams or softball teams of people of which denominations they left. Based on the former. What? That's see, this is this is gold right here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, just give me credit. That's all the I ask. Is keep, the ideas just keep on coming. Yep. Well, let's let's have this idea of um, the Lord's Supper and social yeah. justice. Yeah. Now, in the United Church of Christ, you still observe the Lord's Supper, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's it's you haven't you haven't gotten rid of, rid of that yet. One of our two sacraments. Oh, you call them sacraments. We do. Oh. Wait. Let me yes. guess. The, let me guess the other sacrament. Uh -huh. uh, I got nothing funny, so I'm just gonna go with baptism. Yeah. I was hoping I had uh -huh. something funny, but nothing clever. Got it. It, it. You got it. Yeah. So baptism. Yeah. So for for us, we just call them ordinances. But yeah, and our our third sacrament is writing uh, social justice resolutions. There's the witty response. Yeah, see, I was helping you out. Well, a thank bit. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that's why I like you so much. Yeah, no worry. There'll be plenty of time to mock me later. I, well, if I haven't started already. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We're so, there. <laughs> so, but that actually um, dovetails nicely with why I thought of you with this topic the idea of social <laughs> justice. Um, the United Church of Christ is known for their heart. For social justice, I would say it's one of their charisms as a denomination. Yeah, um, you know, and while obviously that doesn't speak to every church, every you know United UCC church out there, it probably does speak to kind of the overall ethos of the denominational family. Is that safe to say? That's safe to say. I could I could have your job right now for how well yeah. I just said that. Yeah, get yourself a big long T-shirt. <laughs> well, that's why I'm actually I'm trying to gain a lot of weight. So oh, are you? Yeah, yeah. My goal uh, is to gain 200 pounds by the end of Lent. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's one way to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've decided to, yeah, I gave up all low-calorie and high-fiber foods. Oh, that's really smart. Thanks. 
Thanks. So, yeah, I, I did that too, but I did that like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stuck with it. You're just stuck with it. Well, you look great, Mike. Why? Well, thanks. So, let's let's first make sure we're all on the same page with with Lord's Supper. Yeah. And and for our more high church listeners, Eucharist might yep. be a, a similar thing, but we'll call it Lord's Supper. We call it we commun- communion. Yeah, communion we, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, we call it communion too. Um, I guess for some folks, communion is just gathering together and having coffee. Mm, yeah, um, that's good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's that's kind of nice. But so I I go with Lord's Supper just to make it a little uh, more clear. Uh, Yeah. So you call it a sacrament. Mm -hmm. What goes on at the Lord's Supper? Um, And as far as the, it varies a little bit from church to church, quite frankly. Um, So it doesn't, not every church has all the elements of the uh, sacrament as other churches may. Um, There's, it's interesting because I got to go from church to church and see the different practices around it. Right. Do you ever tell people when they get it wrong? Um, no. Okay. That, I mean, it'd be kind of funny if right during I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry. We need to stop. Yeah. I, I, I ask questions. Oh, and oh. I ask questions along the way. So listeners, so, if, if, if Mike Denton's at your church and is asking questions, that's just veiled aggression. Just so yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Ohio too. So that's kind of <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, your, there's no like direct speech with Mike. That's what we're learning. It's, it's mm-hmm. all veiled. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, I'll ask more about that later. <laughs> Again, glad to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so know, there's Easter's. a diversity of, of, of practices um, there are. from church to church. What are some of the what are the elements that are usually there? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, there's usually in most churches there's some uh, context setting of the of the story of communion, sort of how this connects us to the the wider family of faith. Okay. Um, that can uh, frequently is more, a little bit more of a historical uh, telling, but but not always, and not in every church. Uh, okay. There's the the story of the, the the Last Supper itself that is is pretty much in every single church. Right. Um, in different churches, there's uh, different uh, practices that are clear around asking for the Spirit's blessing. Uh, wow. On communion itself, not every church really does that, and mm-hmm. not every church does a Thanksgiving at the end of it. Um, okay. So uh, all those different pieces, it's interesting to see how they play out. Uh, the most common piece is the telling of the story, and the story tends to be the thing that is the the common piece right. uh, within every church. Not necessarily the contextual story, but the story of the Lord's Supper itself. Can you um, help me under uh, when you say the contextual story? Because that, that this is kind of new for me. Sure. Um, I'm a simple Baptist. We do simple yeah. things. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, do, what do you mean when you say put it in the larger context or contextual story? Yeah, I, I mean, within the uh, sort of the, the most traditional or even more orthodox uh, practice of communion, you tell a little bit more of the, the faith story uh, that's behind oh. it. You tell more about the, the connection to the um, those that are have been our spiritual ancestors in the faith and how that moment led to the moment of the Lord's Supper, um, so, particularly with Jesus's Last Supper. So do they trace like, you know, Noah and Abraham, Moses, the prophets, that kind of telling of the story? Yeah, some of that. Okay. Some of that. And, and it, within within a wide variety of, of tellings of it. Okay. Um, and then it then it moves more into the uh, sort of the, the, the recognition of the of the story of the Last Supper itself. That sounds fairly liturgical. 
It is, but it's not in every church. Again, right, the, right. The, the, main, the main main piece is the retelling of the Last Supper. Okay. Um, and maybe some commentary around that by the, the person who's presiding. Right. Um, within, within our denomination, too, I think the presider is an interesting uh, question. So um, the folks that are authorized to preside on mm-hmm. behalf of the, the United Church of Christ are those who are ordained right. um, or those who are, are licensed, um, particularly for that role. But because of our the congregational nature of our church, and I, I imagine it's somewhat the same within the uh, the American Baptist tradition, mm-hmm. a local church can also make the determination to authorize somebody for uh, that within their own congregation. Yeah, and so so that happens sometimes too. Okay, um, but the most of the time, it's the the, the pastor that somehow presides. Um, right, and within some of the more traditional Orthodox understanding, it's more of that that welcoming of the spirit. And the blessing of the spirit that's asked for that, that that the pastor does, and that would be that for for the more liturgical folks, that would be the sacramental moment. Yeah, like the the moment I, I can't remember the technical term for. It. I want to say the yeah I can't remember the technical term, but the moment when the spirit comes down and the elements are changed, that's in the more um, even in the higher liturgical traditions. Because from what I remember, for for you all, the the elements don't change, right? Or do they? Correct. Okay. They don't. They don't, but still the the um, and I'm blanking on the term for it right now too, which I want to say paraclesis, um, uh, but that's not it. It's not. No, but it's great that you could pull out that word and impress us all. Thank, well, I mean it, that word may mean nothing. I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> it's a great word, it, um, but I, I am just blanking on the term for it right now. Yeah. Um, but it's an important moment. We know that. Yes. It, uh, <laughs> so. Um, so, I mean, that's interesting. You, you have a moment I mean, when the Holy Spirit comes down and something happens, but nothing to the elements themselves. The bread stays bread. The juice stays juice. Correct. It's, a, um, it's more of a service of uh, remembrance right. um, than a service of uh, the presence of, of Christ in a way that Christ is not present every other time. Right. Right, and and, uh, and this is not meant to be a podcast on the theology of the Lord's Supper, but I think it's good for us to have a sense of where we're going, where we're yeah. coming from, <laughs> because because yeah. we could keep going with that. Um, so there's a lot. It sounds like some similarities with the Methodist tradition, um, mm-hmm. with the and, and let me just say, I am so thrilled that you, I, I, I was able to hear a UCC conference minister use the word orthodox, Da-da-da. you know, multiple times, without a bitter taste in his mouth. Mm-mm. That's pretty good. Uh, That's yeah, good. I, 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 I've been able to lean more into some of the, the, uh, the sense of orthodoxy, I think, within our tradition. And I think part of it's just being around a little bit longer and finding more connection to it and finding some of the richness in it. Um, so, it's a, so some of that is, is just fine. And, the, and orthodoxy is always within context anyway. So, yeah, so you find you're more willing to give um, more and more to orthodoxy, basically. <laughs> I am more willing to include orthodoxy within part of my faith. <laughs> You're very generous towards your orthodoxy, I would say. I, I, I can <laughs> have more conversations with orthodox folks and have it be okay. I'm wondering if I get us to say generous orthodoxy enough, if Brian McLaren might actually underwrite the podcast in one way or another. That's what if I'm trying to get you to do. orthodoxy a lot? Uh, he wrote a book called Generous Orthodoxy. That's what I'm saying. So if we said generous orthodoxy a lot, he might... He Maybe. Might. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know if he listens. I've never talked to him, but you know, 
Why not? How many times do we have to say generous orthodoxy? I think if we said generous orthodoxy at least 15 times. Well, what's uh -huh. a minion? It may be enough to get a minion of generous orthodoxies. Gener so if you said generous orthodoxy enough, Brian McLaren would sponsor this podcast. <laughs> well, otherwise it'd be a very ungenerous McLaren. Oh, that's true. And we would not want an ungenerous McLaren. Because how could someone ungenerous write a generous orthodoxy? Yeah, because generous orthodoxy, I think we've done it. I think so. I think the lesson is be careful with your book titles. They'll come yes. back to bite you. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate your donation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, a lot of similarities with the Baptist, uh, uh, mm -hmm. of course, especially the remembrance part. I, I think, um, yeah, traditionally, like most Baptists won't put the, do the larger context story, uh, the whole story, uh, um, the whole faith story. We just get right to the Last Supper uh -huh. um, because our attention span is short. <laughs> we, we, we just can't, yeah, we just can't do all of that. Um, yeah. You know, we, don't, <laughs> we don't tend to have a moment when we invite the Holy Spirit to come down. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we are even less sacramental than the UCC. Yeah, um, and that, but that doesn't happen in every church. Right, obviously, yeah. And I would say, yeah, there are some Baptists who do go through, the, who do the prayer of great, great Thanksgiving at the end, who have the story at the beginning. They do all that stuff, but yeah, in general. Uh, you know, um, but so we're, we are coming from a similar place. The idea of remembrance, I think, is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. and, and I would say for, for Baptists, this is a central part of our identity as a worshiping community. Um, we do it once a month. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I, I actually Sunday every month. What first Sunday? First it, unless I don't want to do it the first Sunday of the month, and then we change it. Yeah. For for example, this year Easter is on the first Sunday of the month. And oh, it, okay. yeah, and it just feels weird to be like Christ is risen. Now let's have the Lord's Supper and remember His death. Yeah. Um, it it yeah it doesn't narratively it doesn't quite fit. So we'll push. We'll do the Lord's Supper the next week. But it is April Fool's Day. I know. I know. Ugh. I, re I, I really, love that. I do. I want to have, I would love it. I, I can't make it work, but I'd love it if I could get a life-size, like, paper mache cave built and have someone in a rabbit suit come out. Oh, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be great? What I about gotta... just, like, one of those floppy things that they have? I can't remember what they're called. They, they, they blow the wind up from the bottom. Oh, the inflatable, yeah. And you could press a button. And then that would just pop out from behind the uh, the, the the Baptist Baptist the Baptist tree. Yeah. Oh, that would be good too. Yeah, I'm still working on it though. I'm I'm not gonna okay. let this go. All right. That's for sure. The sermon's easy to write. You know, Easter on April Fools. Yes. That sermon I writes know. itself. <laughs> I mean, it it's, really does. It really does. And to walk away from it is just leaving money on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't really do that. No, it's good that we refer to preaching as leaving money on the table. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way I always refer to it. Yeah, yeah, just putting more money in the pocket. Um, yeah. It's good to be crass about our professions or our vocations. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we push it on. But, uh, yeah, the Lord's Supper, I would say, is a central part of the worship, worshiping life of a community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the b baptism is that place of initiation, that um, entry ritual. Um, but the Lord's Supper is that thing that we come to again and again to say to kind of remind us: here's why we're here, here's what we're about. Uh, is that would you say the, the same for for you? Yeah, and I, I think it it um, it it roots us. I think for a lot of congregations, it's more around this this general idea of the community that they have amongst each other. And uh, if all else fails, 
it's kind of that they remember that this is part of who they are. Nice. So I, I am every, every now and again, every time I get an email from someone from the um, state council of churches saying mm-hmm. there's this event or that event going on, um, or I hear about, you know, some kind of injustice happening. I'm always, I always wrestle with how can I, um, is, is this an essential place for me to respond out of faith? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I've been thinking, it's, the Lord's Supper is not something that comes into that, that question. I don't think about, you know, how does the Lord's Supper compel me to go out and to speak, um, to be active be, um, in areas of justice, to speak mm-hmm. out against injustice and such like that. Uh, so I, I, you know, I struggle with this po- with a, a feeling of disconnect um, mm-hmm. between a desire to do social justice and a desire to be at the table. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know if that's something you've in- have you encountered that as well, or are you like, no, obviously it's it's there, and there's no problem with it. I I, I honestly do tend to be more it's there. Well, good. Well, help uh, me out. Yeah. Learn yeah, me, Mike. I, Learn I, me. I I think there's. Um, and, and there is the side of communion that's more around sort of this this idea of personal piety mm-hmm. and and sort of this 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 humbleness um, that you you sort of come forward with at that moment and that recognition of connection to Christ and the community at that point. But the community that it connects you with stretches far beyond the table and those that are in that that room. Mm. And so if you are in communion with those around the the table, um, then you're also affected by those things that they're affected by. Um, and if you take that seriously, then for me, part of that is a commitment to trying to make each other's lives better. Um, some of that it's done through um, moments of sort of direct care and opportunities for direct care with those that you might care about and be in mm-hmm. community with. Uh, but sometimes that is taking a look at some of the systemic issues that are present and recognizing uh, that challenge too. Oh, um, that, that's fine and good for then saying, I've got to be out there for other Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, and I need to be helping out other Christians. I can start with my own local community and, mm-hmm. and go beyond that. But what about non-Christians? I mean, they're not coming to the Lord's table, so who cares, right? Sure. And you, you, you could go ahead and go that direction. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think there are a lot of people who have. Okay. Um, there, there are a lot of folks that when they look at their, their commitments to their, uh, their community, mm-hmm. they, they recognize that. But this is also a moment, in addition to being communion with each other, it's also this moment for communion with God. And, and if God loves those people and God cares for those folks who may not be Christians, which I believe God does. Um, oh, then yes. we, well, you, you make a horrible Presbyterian. That's, I'm sorry. You were going to say, uh, say something important. Say that again. Say your last. It might not be too important. Um, but if, <laughs> if, if we believe that, that God loves more than Christians mm-hmm. and that part of communion is this unity with God. Right. Then we have to care for more than Christians. I don't know, Mike. That's a lot of yeah. work. Yeah, sure it is. But, <laughs> but call is no small part of it. What What do you mean? Well, and that's I, I think that part of what communion does as well is that by recognizing that bo- the presence of the body, the body of Christ in that community, mm-hmm. it recognizes that we're not all called to the same thing. Um, so that if uh, that you part of that moment and that moment as far as where the personal piety mm-hmm. comes in is asking the question, what is God calling me to in this moment? Hmm. Um, so that if at that moment, that moment of being present at that table, at that moment of that uh, opportunity for communion with God, 
is also asking the question, what God, what is God calling me to? And if, if honestly, God is calling you to uh, be out on the, the front lines of a march, great. If God is calling you towards some sort of other action as far as writing with or meeting with uh, legislators or, or a company that might not be doing the right thing, great. If what God is calling you to do is to put together a, uh, a food basket, mm-hmm. give it to someone else who might be affected uh, by the practices of a company, great. If what God is calling you to is to simply pray for that person um, and recognize your connection to them, that's great too. And sometimes the hard part is that... Um, God might not call us directly to something. Yeah, so a lot of it has to do with with call and the ways that we're called to and being true to that call. Right. Um, I think that that is where that place around uh, responsibility and piety meet. So that's interesting because, you know, there's there's lots of different approaches of discernment. Discernment is just one of those great words we like to use in our Christian mm-hmm. communities, right? Especially the Quakers. I think they use it in a way to derail um, decisions when they say, "Well, let's discern this for a while." You know, like, "Okay, I see what you're doing. I see where this." That's in some places, yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know if the Lord's Supper has is is often considered. I've never looked at it as a model for discernment. I've always looked at it as a place for commitment. Where, and I think the two are are certainly interlap um, interlocked. Uh, but that idea of the Lord's Supper as a place for discernment, I, I think there, there's a lot that could be worked with there. Well, part of what comes before the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. is confession. Oh, for you guys, yeah. But just, I think, I think <laughs> oh, you guys don't do that? Well, when you're perfect, why oh, bother? <laughs> My bad. Yeah. No, actually, so, um, no, as a practice, we don't um, have space for confession, and that might be something we're missing. That may be something that we could really learn from and make that space for. Yeah, and not all of our churches do it either, you know, but I, but I think that within the idea of communion, mm-hmm. where there's this the practice of confession that comes first, um, that can lead to uh, uh, taking a look to that call to uh, different kinds of piety, including some sort of maybe social religious piety, um, in a different kind of way. Uh, so when we, we look at it purely as what the sins of the individual are, as opposed to the mm-hmm. sins as an individual related to the world. Hmm. Um, the the line between those two is sometimes drawn, I think, a lot firmer than is uh, theologically honest. And what if you broaden the idea of confession from just sins to more? This is where I really am. Where where it's you know I I think the confessing the sins is essential, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. we can hide, but but beyond just confessing our sins, saying and I also confess I don't know what to do about. Um, you know, gun safety right now. I confess I don't know what the best way to respond to um, racism might be. And, you know, to confess those things, which it, there is a sense of like, we, I don't think we think of that as, as confessing sins. That's more ambiguities or, or worries or wonderings. Um, but to put that on the table in a metaphorical way um, before coming to the table uh, may open up our, our, the, the engagement with discernment at that moment. I, I think there's a, a big difference between uh, reacting to the world's pain mm-hmm. and responding to God's call. Um, it's very mm-hmm. easy to react to the world's pain, right. um, to see something that's awful and terrible, to see um, another school shooting or to see something else that uh, the, the president said or to see something else that um, is happening in another country or something, you know, on and on and on right. and, and have reaction to that. Right. Right. That reaction is fine. I think that 
that there's a difference between that that sort of reaction, which mm-hmm. also tends to be something that we do to make ourselves feel better, mm. uh, and responding to God's call in your heart based on the the gifts and experiences that have been part of your life. And this gifts is G I F T S, right? Not yes. just gifts. Let's make no, sure we no. know. No, because those, those, are, those, are, those are weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not on the gift train. Yeah. I think gifts are strange. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> the, reacting to the, the different kind of gifts that we've been given and the experiences that have been part of our lives. So uh, sometimes those things that we're, we're called to, and I, I think we, we get a lot of calls to react. Um, mm. And the, the world of uh, uh, Facebook, social media and all that sort of thing. It's calling us to react, react, react over and over and over and over again. Right. And um, our reaction tends to lack the depth of a response. Hmm. Not always. Right, right. And and I think it's possible that there's some people who are sort of called to react, uh, that that might be the thing that they're good at and they're best at. Someone needs to be angry. Yes. Um, the That used to be you, Mike. You used to be the one that was angry. Well, You've you lost know, it. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm still angry, but now I'm bitter too, and that, uh-huh. that pulls back the need to re- react. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I think I think the response piece is the bigger piece. So, uh, so when when you see a uh, a sibling in pain, mm-hmm. you can choose how to react, or you can choose how to respond. And sort of the reaction is uh, if you hear that somebody's having a an awful situation within their life Mm -hmm. the reaction is normally to sort of feel that pain and say that is terrible i am so sorry you know sort of that some of that that reaction of of empathy or that reaction of sympathy right Uh, the uh, reaction to want to do something um again that tends to be more a solve for our wounds than solving anyone else's Mm. uh, nice that was nice what you just did there with solve and solve that was good see see that was a gift. that could be a gift Um, they don't do verbal um, gifts. <laughs> I'm just getting old. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just talk about that for the but, rest of the podcast. But yeah, but if when we when when I get this out on the next Edison wax cylinder, yes, I'll make yes. sure to mix it with solve and solve. All right, that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. So, yeah, just make sure the Pony Express doesn't drop it. I know they are awful. They are awful. <laughs> well, their ponies are so old. Yeah, they are old. They're, They're original. Old <laughs> they have the original ponies. Yeah. And see, right now, there's at least 40, 50% of your audience that is just trying to figure out what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Back when so, people so, actually so, had mail, when people got mail and sent mail. Yeah. I know those 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 two or three people are right. just really confused right now. <laughs> so reacting um, and responding, I mean that yeah. difference. I mean that's that, that that's like um, you know like a core part of a pastor's toolbox. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, that you know it, and you know if I could if I could respond seventy percent of the time, I'm doing really well. Uh, Liturgy is a response. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's not a reaction. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so when you have when you take when you have when you have communion and you share in communion, mm-hmm. uh, there's different times when that might mean, be more meaningful than mm-hmm. others because of the different context you're in. I mean, there's different communions that I remember. Okay. But on the same hand, 
um, there is also this way that the regularity of it uh, means something too. Mm. And the the some of the pieces that with that have been part of our our scriptures, they mean we might have heard them a million times before, um, but depending on the context in which we hear them, right, the meaning of it changes. And I think the same is true for for communion. Um, and for me, there there's there's these two stories of communion that. Uh, whenever I think about communion with any depth, they stick with me. Um, one was not something that I was present for, um, but it was in uh, Chicago. I heard about the story that there were neo-Nazis recruiting in um, a neighborhood in Chicago, and it was a neighborhood that was um, predominantly white Eastern Euro Euro European mm -hmm. community that was becoming uh, more Latino and African American. And there were some folks who were concerned about it, afraid about it, out of some of their own uh, racism. Mm -hmm. And the Nazis were actively recruiting and literally going door to door and saying, we have this other opportunity and ways to resist. Um, the, uh, the pastor uh, that was in that community, and it was a UCC pastor, um, heard that this had happened. And he'd heard that some of the members of his church uh, were had expressed interest. Oh. And okay. had some conversations with them. And it was Communion Sunday. Hmm. And so um, before communion, mm -hmm. uh, he, he made the announcement that the this table is open to, to all believers, which is sort of the sort of the general uh, welcome. Mm -hmm. And he says, just to make it very clear, um, you can be a Christian or a Nazi. You cannot be both. Oh, wow. So uh, today, the table, as you come to it, this is your decision. Oh, geez. Yeah. And uh, so the uh, that's one of the stories around communion um, that is with me uh, at different points of time when I think about communion. The, the other story was something that I was present for. And it was, uh, I was in Boulder, Colorado. And at that point in time, uh, Proposition 8 had been proposed. Which one was that? Uh, Proposition 8, this is like early 90s. And it was going to roll back the abilities for uh, local communities to have um, uh, uh, sort of what's the word for it? Uh, legislation mm -hmm. that would uh, be non-discrimination non legislation against the LGBT community. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, and this this would take that ability away from communities. Oh, okay. And so um, the the pastor of this uh, United Methodist Church, Paul Hood, and uh, in in downtown Boulder, uh, preached in opposition to uh, Proposition 8, basically saying this is a bad law because of the way that it'll um, regulate and make legal uh, prejudice. Mm. Uh, while he was preaching, uh, some folks within the congregation uh, got up and left oh. and walked out. Um, for me, this had been a time in my life when I was having a lot of questions around liturgy and what liturgy meant, and it felt like a lot of empty mm. Uh, words to me at yeah. that point in time. Yeah. And um, so, uh, and I hadn't been to church for a while, but I heard that he was giving this sermon, mm -hmm. and I wanted to be there because he was giving this sermon. Okay. Um, immediately following, not too long after the, the sermon, uh, was communion. And some of the folks that had left came back in. Hmm. And they, and regardless of where people were, Mm-hmm. They all took a piece of bread from the same loaf and dipped it in the same cup. Hmm. Uh, both of those stories say something to me about sort of the strength of communion ritual in regards to 
um, uh, social justice uh, to me, to the regards of call, to the regards of inclusion, mm -hmm. to the commitment to being in community, even through uh, uh, difficult moments. Within the one, um, the pastor used it as a moment of decision mm -hmm. uh, within the life of the church. And within the second, the pastor used it as a moment of decision too, uh, but in an entirely different kind of way, basically saying that all are welcome. Right. And so the members of that congregation that were uh, 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 gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgendered were able to come up, as well as those who didn't necessarily believe that the protection of the rights should be a priority or something that should be preached about. Mm. Um, so there's something that has its own strength and power in that and the way that it connects us to each other and helps us remember who each other are and is a rededication to our call. Yeah. Uh, that I think becomes really, really important. And it was in two different kind of ways. Uh, one where the invitation was to a decision and self-exclusion mm -hmm. and the other where it was a welcome um, to all, including those who disagreed with each other. Um, both were important, and I think both helped drive the, the conversation. And uh, both have helped me understand what communion means in entirely different uh, kinds of ways. That's excellent. Um, it, it, and it makes me think that, um, uh, that I, well, it makes me wonder if communion perhaps should be more versatile or mobile mm. um, or happen with more frequency. You know, I know there's always a danger of it becoming rote, mm -hmm. um, but it, um, before a church is involved in any kind of outreach program um, or, or engagement in the world, they say, we better have communion so we're clear about why we're doing this, mm. you know, more than a prayer. I mean, a prayers are good. Don't, don't tell me wrong. I think that, you know, let's get together, let's pray. Okay, now let's go and let's march or let's serve or let's um, do what we're called to do. But that communion seems like there's, there's more depth offered and uh, more of a sense of here's what it what we're what we are about, and why and and more grounding. Well, what do you think about that idea of of the of increasing the frequency and the flexibility of, of communion? I, th I think it can be okay, and I, I think of, for a lot of our churches they don't have altar calls. Right. Yeah. So for uh, for a lot of the mainstream Protestant church, communion is its own sort of altar call. Hmm. Um, uh, I'm assuming, I mean, because it's that time to go up and like reclaim your commitment to Christ or, or yeah, it, it says I, I am part of this. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I, I recognize that I am welcome to this. Um, and both are important. And I think that the, uh, a lot of times it, it, that there are people who are able to, I, I had the experience, maybe you have too, where people have, have not come up for communion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a wide variety of reasons that they might do that. And yeah. at the point at which they do, um, you know the deep meaning of that. It's either because they've been excluded from other communities and they just assume they're going to be excluded from this one. Right. Um, or they assume they're not good enough. Right. And they're told that they are. And, or, and they yeah. get to a point where or they right. can say that um, it's okay that if, if I come here as I'm broken. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you look at those basic messages, as far as inclusion, being told that you're not as broken as you think you are, that you are actually welcome here, um, if those aren't messages that are also related to social justice and faith, um, mm. I don't know what are. That's beautiful. So it's interesting that, um, you know, so the, the idea, that focus of the sermon, I think, was different than where I was going. I was thinking of that it's at the table where we 
um, come face to face with the brokenness of, of Christ's body. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's we said the bread is broken and representing mm-hmm. the broken the wine the, the wine or the juice is poured out representing the, the, his blood that's spilt and and that brokenness of, of the body uh, we see also in the world mm-hmm. um, and and so there's that if we are really committed to Christ then we're also committed to the brokenness of the world and to being a positive part in response mm-hmm. um, and also the the proclaiming nature of the Lord's Supper um, I, you know I know there's so many different liturgies so many different things that people say one of the things I say after the cup I say as long as as we drink this we proclaim that Christ lived died and rose again mm-hmm. and I say that to really you know encapsulate that this is an evangelical moment what yeah. we are doing in, in the truest sense not like um, uh, yeah, praise Jesus you. evangelical but more of a praise Jesus evangelical yeah yeah, yeah. there's a difference yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> another great gift thanks yeah, mm-hmm. this yeah the the verbal gifts on this on this episode are just yeah. amazing. Oh, it's a, it is amazing. It is. We're pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> we are just amazing. <laughs> well, there's a title for the show. We're just yeah, amazing. we're just amazing. <laughs> you don't need to listen. Just know that this was amazing. That's right. <laughs> just, uh, but I mean, if if the Lord's Supper is an evangelical moment. Mm-hmm. That moment is not one to be just in, in one space and time. It's not we just drink from the cup and say, I am proclaiming that Chris, that Christ, that Chris, I won't say Chris lived, died. But. <laughs> Good old Chris. <laughs> Poor Chris. He lived and he died. Yeah. I used to have pens that, was that it. <laughs> said, when I worked at Faith in, in, uh, in Dayton. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they'd send you those free pens once in a while that you got with your church's name on it as they're trying to market their, right. their product. And they couldn't fit all the letters oh, on it. So it would be Faith United Church of Chris. <laughs> and and our neighbor, Chris, loved getting those pens. <laughs> That's funny. I got a knife for our for our church. Wow. I know. Maybe because they saw Baptists. They were like, well, we can't send a gun in the mail. But yeah. we can at least send a knife. Wow. <laughs> and it had like your name on it and stuff? It had it was a Swiss Army knife. It was a little so it wasn't like a buck knife, but still it had a blade and it had the little first Baptist church engraved on the side. But probably not a bottle opener. No, oh goodness, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Baptists say, lips that touch wine will never touch mine. Oh, really? They say that? No, no one. No, Baptist never really says that. that. No, yeah. I mean, in jest, but I don't think anyone's ever, maybe some, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it should be, the Lord's Supper should also be a, a, a moment of proclamation that we continue to live out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we, if we are taking the bread and the cup, that, that compels us to continue to share that good news that we are again and again embracing. Um, that was the emphasis that I was taking towards it. I love this idea of, you know, what are we bringing to the table? You know, where is it that we really, that we need discernment? Where is it that, um, that we need some help? So then when, when that moment that we can't think of the word for, that the Holy Spirit comes down. I know, it's going to drive me nuts. Hey, if that's what drives you nuts, then this was a good day. Yeah. Because there you are um, in the midst of denominational meetings. I know, but I should know this, but I just can't, I just, it's like gone. Epiclesis. No. No. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. It'll come. Okay. Okay. Yep. The antic moment. No. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. No. Anyway, um, but but that idea of then so inviting the Holy Spirit 
um, especially for us less sacramental um, traditions where nothing happens with the bread and the wine, we are saying something happens with us. Yeah. You know, and that's, I would say, the presence of Christ. You know, Christ is fully present at the table through the gathering of the believers. You know, when two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. So when two or three are gathered at the table taking communion, he's there. Uh, and, and, and that presence, you know, uh, really helps us get a sense of how, can, how should we respond. So I like that. I think that, you know, a nice hybrid of, of both of our approaches probably is what's um, correct. I, the, I, I think part of the idea of the sacramental practices period is that you come out of it somehow changed or committed to change. Yeah. Well, that's so that's such a that's that's a great twist, because I think the, the, the higher sacrament folks are like you come out changed and that'd be it. Mm-hmm. I like that or committed to change. And mm-hmm. if you're committed to change, then that hopefully is a change as well. Yeah. The desire to be committed to change is the change that we're looking for. It's almost as if, as if we're asking us to become the change that we want to be. Hmm. hmm. Someone I've heard must, something like that before. I don't know who said it, but um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, one of the other pieces too that I just I thought about when kind of looking at some of the pieces around communion before we talked is mm-hmm. that we also can't forget its connection to Passover. Okay. And what Passover was about. Um, and so if this was a Passover feast, right. Um, that was about the liberation of a people. Right. And so if, um, if we are celebrating the Last Supper and celebrating in some ways, when we celebrate the Last Supper, we're also uh, uh, celebrating and participating almost with a Passover feast with Christ. Mm. Uh, we are to some degree talking about the liberation of a people. Right. And so if if, uh, if we step too far away from those potential messages of liberation, we might also be turning our back on what uh, Christ brought to that moment. So then, it, but I would, it, so is it, is it a liberation that is currently happening as well, or a liberation that has already happened? Both. I, was, I knew you were going to say both. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I kind of fed you the answer to that. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, yeah. I'm here for you. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think that's important. I, I think um, there are there are some Christians that will emphasize it has happened, the mm-hmm. liberation. We're saved, we've been liberated, and we're just celebrating right. that. Right. Um, but if it's something that's continuing to happen, that is happening, then then it is a demand of participation. Yeah, and they're 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 not mutually exclusive. No, no. Um, and if if we sort of go with the idea that we have been saved, yes, that is true. And the right. idea that we need saving is also true. Right. Um, I mean, if, if we were drowning once and someone pulled out of the water, we were saved, mm-hmm. um, we were drowning again. That doesn't mean that we still don't need that same sort of help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that works. You yeah, know, yeah, I feel like there's gotta be more to it than that though. Like yeah. what yeah. if you're drowning in jello? Oh, wow. And if some... you're drowning in jello. And, and you're in the middle, and someone pulls you out of the jello, so your head is above, so you can breathe again, so you've been saved, but you're still in the jello, and so yeah. you still have to be removed from the jello, so you're being saved. If you're drowning in jello and someone saves you, is that really doing you a favor? I know. Well, it depends on the flavor jello. That's true, and it has pineapple in it. You don't like pineapple? Not the, I don't like the pineapple or the little marshmallows in jello. Oh, I like the marshmallows. 
Yeah, I like the marshmallows on top, but not necessarily mixed in. Oh, and okay. at the pineapple, if you don't see it, is a very awkward surprise. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a rule of thumb for pineapple in general. Yeah. If yeah. you don't see it, it's an awkward yeah. surprise. <laughs> an awkward surprise. Particularly that's... if they, they like, uh, they, they, if they shred sort of the, right. and mix it in. And then at first you think, oh my gosh, there's a hair. Oh, right, right. Yeah, no, it's really. But I think the Pineapple Committee, that's their slogan. Pineapple, if you don't see us, we're an awkward surprise. That's a new t-shirt. <laughs> that's a great t-shirt. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to edit out some of this T-shirts before gifts. We're bringing back the t-shirts. The heck yes. with the gifts. Bring back the t-shirts. <clears throat> All right, so maybe I'll make that a t-shirt, pineapple. If you don't see us, we're an awkward surprise. (laughs) 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 Some may say that about the... I think think the Mennonites say that about themselves, too. Oh, if you don't see the Mennonites, they're an awkward surprise? Yeah. You're like, oh, hey, there you are. Like, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. But the suspenders are styling. They are. And every time, it's like, I thought you were Amish. Like, nope, drove here. Yep. <laughs> okay. Here's here's the summary I, I or here's some of the thoughts I, I'm gonna encapsulate, summarize. All right, great. Yeah. Uh I think what we bring to the table is really important. Um and, and that idea of confession uh is, is essential. And I'm saying so as a Baptist, I'm learning. You've I've learned something from this. You, you may have inspired me to reconsider our, our liturgy towards the Lord's Supper. Oh wow. All right. Um, that we even have a liturgy would be a big step. Yeah, that's handy. Because usually it's me saying, like, what's that table doing there? And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Oh, says, yeah, it's the first. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Okay, here we go. I thought we were done. We sang the last hymn. I'm out. Um, Jews, good bread. You know, so funny story. Like This Sunday, this past Sunday, yeah. we had communion. And the bread that I, that I, that I had there to break... I don't know what it was, but it had berries in and it had like crystal sugar on top. It looked great. Yeah. And then I open it up and it's Wonder Bread. The little oh, squares yeah. that we pass out, Wonder Bread. Yeah. It was like a it was like a cruel joke for everyone for me to hold up this really tasty looking bread, break it, and then to say, now the bread you get is Wonder yeah. Bread. Wanna hear my I, I got some funny bread stories. All right, let's hear a funny bread story. Okay, so the one time was when I accidentally used garlic bread. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. But the garlic was like baked into the bread, and I just I just grabbed bread off the shelf because I was in a hurry because I'd forgotten to get it. Oh man! So that was a good one. And the other time was when we decided we were going to try to uh, bake bread <clears throat> and sort of have the bread baking. Like, oh. So people would walk into the smell of the bread and have this multi-sensory piece. Yeah. And and then I reached in to break the bread. Oh. <laughs> and. It was, I burned my fingers. <laughs> fingers. I shouldn't yes. laugh at that, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> it, was, it, was one of, it was one of those moments where it's like, oh. You didn't swear? I, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. But I do think I felt, you know, the, uh, it was, yeah, I don't, it was bad. That so, was a moment when the Holy Spirit was going up, not coming down. And laughing. And laughing. Saying, ha ha, Denton, take that. <laughs> That's great. Because it's such a great idea to so have the bread. It was. And I think next time. Next time you do that, because, yeah, have bake the bread, but have an already baked loaf for communion itself. That would be that. Well, we, we did something like that. So, yeah. 
basically what we we the, the one change we made is that yeah. the bread was baking like before people got in, mm-hmm. so it still had the smell. It took time to be taken out, um, right? Just before the service, so it was able to cool down and. Yeah, you just you need to do it just like a cooking show. You yeah. have you have all the steps already pre cooked, and then it just it seems like uh, these are yeah. This is so people are getting some real behind the curtain look at how we do Lord's Supper. There's so many things. Oh my gosh! All right. So anyway, what do you bring yeah. to the table? It's yeah, really well, important. And, and what? what do you put down so you can pick it up? Oh, that's a nice that's a nice pithy saying. What do you Thank put you. down so you can pick it up? Yeah, that's what I do. Pithy that's sayings. Pithy sayings. Not a lot of depth to it, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I think also the the Lord's Supper is about, in, in large part, about the community. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things that I don't think you can do by yourself. I think the Orthodox say you can, and I think they're it. Um, but, I mean, there's only like a handful of Orthodox, so. Right. Yeah, no, only kidding, Orthodox listeners. Um, yeah, both, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah the one I have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but for the most part, we would say you can't do communion. You can't have a Lord's Supper by yourself. It needs to be with others. It is mm-hmm. about, in large part, community, mm-hmm. and the community does expand beyond the table, and it even expands beyond the walls of the church, and it even expands beyond the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That you know, if we need to get scriptural about it, we can say Christ died for the whole world, mm-hmm. and so we are called, compelled to respond. Uh, to use Mike's word, um, instead of react to the wounds of the world. Uh, and then to own that discernment and, and to feel like I don't, have to res- I don't have to respond to everything in the ways that everyone feels is, is appropriate. I'm going to respond to the things that God calls me to respond to. I'm going to yeah. leave the table and go the direction I need to go and, and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I hope, uh, I hope folks can... Get a lot from this. Next time you have Lord's Supper, bring some of this stuff to the table. Um, go to your pastor and say, where's our prayer of confession? Demand it. Demand confession. Demand Because con- a pastor, there's nothing a pastor likes more than a parishioner demanding a prayer of confession. P- pastors just overall love demands. We really do. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, don't even, not even subtle suggestions. Like, don't you think, <laughs> just like, no, this has to happen. No. And if you could throw in like some sort of uh, backhander critique um, um, that has nothing to do with anything, but just something that bugs you. Yeah, do that. That's and, your favorite. That's the best thing to do. And reference that church down the street that's doing really well. That's all. That always helps out. That really does. All right. So, Mike Denton, you are the conference minister of the Pacific Northwest Conference of the United Church of Christ of the United yep. States of America here on this earth in the year 2018, common error, because I'm sure the UCC doesn't say AD. It probably does not. <laughs> it probably does not. <laughs> um, do you have a website you want to push? Uh, no? Not really. No. Okay. So I, I, our, our Just website leave Mike our, alone. Leave him alone, people. Alone. Don't stop. And the last times I just had stalkers and and nothing. Um, no, and our, our, the website for our conference is www.tncucc.org. Um, so that if you want to find out a little bit more about our conference, that's one way to find out more about that. And the website for the denomination is www.ucc.org. And uh, I think you'll find some of the pieces that we 
we talked about today reflected in that website oh, okay, as well. Good. And uh, do you want to say anything about Sasquatch and Sasquatch hunters? You know, I haven't been doing as much Sasquatch stuff recently. Oh. So um, Leo and I are, uh, Leo is my, my son and, mm -hmm. and I are still in the, uh, you know, talking about it and having fun with it and all those kind of good things. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's sort of got, I've, I think I've gotten a little bit to a Sasquatch uh, saturation point um, where I've, I've learned what there really could be learned. So it's still a fascinating and fun thing. And Yeah, but let me tell you this. If Sasquatch yeah. saturation point is not a homebrew or microbrew beer yet, it needs to be. Yeah, that'd be great. It wouldn't be a bad band name either for like oh, a college band name. Yeah, Sasquatch saturation point. Yeah. <laughs> It's anything that's hard to say quickly makes for a, or drunk makes for a great band name for for college. Yes. Yeah. For college, because they're, they're all going to be stupid anyways. Right. Because then you sound like you're trying to be. <laughs> we are Sasquatch yeah. saturation point. Yeah. And they all use loots. Yes. Well, Mike, um, thank you very much for being on the show for a um, yeah, good conversation. Thanks. Well, that was a good conversation. You know, every time I talk to Mike, it's a good conversation. Well, there was that one time, and I can't say any more about that. You know, sometimes I actually listen to the whole episode before I record this end part. And sometimes I just try to remember what it was like. And uh, I won't tell you what this one is. Maybe I just listened to it. Maybe I'm just trying to remember back to when I actually talked to Mike. Hmm. Anyways, I know, regardless, it was a good conversation. I hope you found it informative. I hope you found it um, inspiring. I hope that you have a different way of looking at taking communion or the Lord's Supper. If you want to make a comment about this show or any other show, you can send those comments to 12enough. That's written out, 12enough at gmail.com. I encourage you, invite you to come to the webpage, 12enough.com, where you can find show notes for this show and all my past shows, and also the blog that I have, and other fun things. They are fun. Coloring book fun. Going down a slide kind of fun. Swimming in the ocean kind of fun. Fun. Uh, come to the Facebook page and like us, like like the show on Facebook so you can follow along when, when I post other episodes or make blog posts, those kind of things. It comes up on Facebook and sometimes I say, hey, this is going on. And people say, hey, that's great. And as always, I encourage you, strongly encourage you to go and like the show on iTunes, uh, rate the show, leave a comment about the show. That really does help um, other people hear about what it is that I'm doing with this show. Uh, and hopefully I'll have another show out very soon because uh, I'm trying to get right back onto it where, um, where there's a timeliness to the episodes. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Twelve Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Mike Denton, the conference minister of the Pacific Northwest Conference of the United Church of Christ. The thoughts, ideas, opinions, weird pauses in the middle of describing the show 
and other things that happen on this show do not res- do not reflect their churches, their denominations, their families, their friends, their areas where they live, or anything else of that nature. These are their own ideas. This was their podcast. <laughs>